Welcome to Spillin' and Dealin' the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of Sandy Spiel. And with me today, as always, is a producer and moderator of the podcast, Ramin Forgani. Ramin, it feels like a year since I've last spoken to you. It's been a while. We have flipped the calendar. 2021. How are you doing, sir? I am doing well, Kyle. I was waiting for the corny joke about we haven't spoken in a year, but uh, oh, yeah. the, it's perhaps more true. It has felt like a long time. I should stop making promises at the end of our last podcast. I believe I said seven to ten days, and it's been a tad longer than that. But we are back nevertheless ready to rumble. Week seven, Kyle. We're into week seven. A lot of holiday tournaments. You have been busy. Yes, that is one of the main reasons why we haven't been able to do so many podcasts as we would like because I'm so busy. I'm um, dawn to dusk, dusk to dawn at basketball events. And, you know, during these holiday times, you got tips at 10 a.m. And then the last game starts at 9 p.m. And I'm on the road and I'm all over the place. And I'm trying to see as many teams as possible to, to try and feel like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to ranking all of these schools. So that's been very busy. A lot of stories having to be written for, you know, multiple outlets. So, it's a busy time of year, but with these tournaments about in the rearview mirror, it's time to settle into region play, kind of catch our breath, kind of hit the reset button, get into somewhat of a more normalized flow now, and hopefully we will be able to podcast uh, a lot more often. But this beginning of the season, all these games all over the place, it has kept me busy, and the rankings have been fluctuating a lot of the top number one ranked teams have been pretty much the same, um, but we have seen a lot of teams in and out of the top 10, and today's podcast will be speaking on who are the best teams in boys' basketball outside of the top 10 in each classification. These are good teams that some have been in the rankings at one point or time during the course of the season, while other teams uh, maybe more of a surprise and have been being spoken upon now uh, for the first time. Teams that have not been in the top 10, but teams that I do have my eye on. So if you don't see your team in the top 10 just yet, that doesn't mean I'm completely ignoring them. That means I might be slow playing them for some reason, or I might just be waiting to see what happens with them. So this is going to be a podcast about teams outside of the top 10 that I think have a shot of cracking into the top 10 or at the very least uh you know winning a couple games and uh, making some noise down the stretch as we near region play and region tournament play in another month or so indeed Kyle we will start at class 7a as you said um some fluctuation at the bottom of the poll but compared to the week three rankings again we're in week seven a month later um week three which is about the last time we podcasted the top seven in class 7a are relatively constant they may have jumped up or down one spot at the most but then we get to the bottom of the poll that's where we see the movement and we see people who have fallen out and people who are just outside of the top 10 Kyle who are those teams Yes, Ramin, you were right. The top seven or so has pretty much been set in stone, like you mentioned. Up or down a spot here or there. Um, But the bottom three, bottom two, bottom one, that's where you've seen a lot of movement. And just looking at these teams that are outside of the top ten right now, there are a few teams that I have my eye on. And one team that came away with a really big win last night as we record this on, what is today, a Wednesday the 6th? 
Um, just last night, we saw a really big win from South Forsyth, 12-3 and three now. Um, they got a couple losses sprinkled in there that you know I don't really love. I believe they lost Sequoia earlier in the year. I did see them lose to Denmark earlier um, in the season, but they were without their, their starting guard, Ethan Underwood, and he makes a really big difference. But they beat North Gwinnett last night, 53-50. to 50. North Gwinnett's a team that spent a lot of time in the top 10, and it's a team that's played a lot of really good teams, and it's you know, knocked off a couple of them and has fallen short against a few good ones. But South Forsyth getting that win over North Gannett, that's a very big one um, for the War Eagles. They've won six straight games now. Devin McLaughlin inside is a double-double machine, still a huge Huge, huge mismatch issue uh, for most teams just because he can dominate inside with his back to the basket, but he can also step outside, shoot the three ball, and then facilitate from the high post when need be when double teams are ran at him. You got Brandon Stoudemire, who I don't think can shoot the ball all that well, but he is a great, terrific athlete, formerly of Lambert. He's come over and added a different dimension. It's just a, a great slasher that can just elevate over defenders and put in shots from 10 to 15 feet in the paint. Um, he, he brings a lot as well defensively just with his lateral quickness and his, uh, his explosion. And then, like I mentioned, Ethan Underwood, uh, a savvy guard that has been a, a key contributor for a few years now. He's been good for South Versailles. So that big three has South Versailles getting closer and closer to the top 10 and another school who was in the top 10 for a, a, a good chunk of the time, and I just mentioned them, but they've fallen out after losing four straight games, is Denmark. Denmark, 7-5. and five. They got wins over South Forsyth, 58-45, and then Cherokee, 55-54. to 54. Um, Those are their two best wins. Um, you know, a lot of their, their, their good results, I guess you could say, which you can't really live off good losses, but they lost in overtime to Milton, um, looks like 72 to 58 or 72 to 68. I'll, I'll, I'll double check that just to make sure I might've wrote in, wrote in, written, <laughs> might've wrote that down wrong. Um, but yeah, it was 72 to 68 in overtime. That makes a lot more sense. So they had Milton on the ropes at a big double digit lead in regulation. And they let that slip away before losing by four points to Milton. Um, but that, that proves right there on a, any given day, they can play with the very best in the entire state. And they lost by 10 to Berkmar, 58 to uh, 48. So this Denmark team's a good team with Sutton Smith uh, going to Alabama, Huntsville. He is a, a terrific playmaker, a savvy floor general that can just take over games with his pace of play and his ability to not only score but facilitate as well when need be. Um, when you have a terrific point guard like that, you have a chance to win every single game you're in. Um, Joseph Scott has come on strong as a 6'7", 6'8", inside-out forward that can stretch the floor, shoot three. Cortland Tolbert as well. So they they got a lot of really good pieces over there at Denmark. And, um, you know, Coach Whitlock is a, uh, an exceptional coach as well. Um, so no surprise there. Uh, seeing Denmark being in every single game they play in, that's a very, very – you know, well-coached and tough team that is already in just what, like year three or four, four tops maybe, um, already has built a tradition of winning in a, a very good culture. And then the last team that I'm looking at right now before we, we have to talk about a, a special team, um, Collins Hill, it looks like they're sitting at about eight and three right now. Coach Joe Dix, this team is deep. They press you the entire 
uh, length of the floor the entire time. They play small ball. Now your, your tallest players may be about six, four, six, five. That's um, Ethan Davis, but he's really a wing, more of a guard type uh, as a sophomore, but they press the entire game. They get after it. They come at you in waves. They all play really, really fast. They can shoot the ball quite well. Uh, they have nice wins over Gainesville, Monroe area, and most recently they beat Towns County in Class A Public, um, who was in the top ten. And, you know, they're deep. I said Vino Glover. Chris Lance is a strong athletic uh, guard that can play bigger than his size because he's so physical. Alpha Diallo, Ethan Davis. Jabri uh, Mills, uh, they got a lot of good players. And then they add this Travis Hunter, uh, who's a five-star cornerback going to Florida State. And in his first game right off the hardwood, or hard, uh, <laughs> off the gridiron onto the hardwood, he scores 16 points in a win for Collins Hill. So you add him into the mix as well. And uh, I haven't seen him play, but I'm going to have to assume if he's a five-star um, football recruit going to the ACC. He's probably pretty athletic. So you add one more into the mix for Coach uh, Joe Dix. You're looking at a team that can really control the tempo, control the pace, and really fluster teams that don't have good guard pr- play and cannot break the press. Um, so Collins still at eight and three, a very very dangerous team that, like I said, if they can play at their speed and control and dictate what they want to do, um, that's a team that could be a really tough out come tournament time and briefly before we move on from 7a this always seems to come up at least once a year um on the interwebs there's a certain team that thinks they deserve to be in the top 10 kyle and you have something to say about that tift county sitting at eight and three their records certainly somewhat comparable to the these other 7a teams that are ranked but they miss the top 10 why um tift county is having a nice season and they always typically do have a very nice season but to make a blanket blanket statement that really does cover a lot of these bigger schools and 7A and everything. Um, when you get down south and you're, you're a 7A school, the vast majority of these games they play are against very small schools, which you don't see when you're up in 7A, when you're ranking these teams like North Gwinnett and, you know, Denmark and all these schools that, you know, aforementioned. Uh, now, obviously, I know they're in larger metro Atlanta areas, but if you're a 7A school and you're serious about getting ready for the state tournament and serious about, I mean, if, if state rankings mean that much to you, which it, it shouldn't really mean that much if, I mean, I don't know why they would have to do that, but, you know, they want to fight and claw for every uh, morsel of respect. But uh, going back to what I, I was, you know, trying to talk about is um, – these 7A schools, you know, Tiff County, all, all the non-region games they play are small schools. I mean, you know, the, the, the Eagles landing win 50 to 49. That's a really good, great win. I will give them credit for that. A 5A school, very good win. But as a 7A school, the largest team they played so far, we're talking 11 games into the season, Ramin, and how we just mentioned how all these other 7A schools that have been in the top 10, how they challenge themselves and they play other 7A schools and they play – really good uh you know top 10 ranked teams and you know different classifications but usually it's a bigger classification but you're looking at tiff county the largest school they played so far was 6a lee county and lee county is only four and nine and they only beat them 52 to 47 now 
Uh, you know, looking at all these other teams inside the top 10, if they're playing, you know, the largest school they've played all year long, this deep into the season, just a 6A school with a losing record, that's not very impressive. Uh, now, good wins for Tiff County, beat Westover 56-50, and beat Monroe 46-44, and, you know, they, they lost 42-28 to to Monroe the first time they played. They got held to 28 points by Monroe. And Monroe and Westover, two good teams, but they're 4A schools. Um, so you're a 7A school playing a 4A school. In theory, if you are, you know, if if both those teams are supposed to be top 10 teams, in theory, obviously the the the, the 7A school should win. You have hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of more kids in your school. And like I said, Westover's good. Monroe are good. They're good. But they're good in Class 4A. I don't think those are teams that would be making Final Four runs in Class 7A, which is your measuring stick. If you're a 7A school, your measuring stick is other 7A schools, really. It's not, wow, we'd be really good in 3A and 4A. You're not in 3A and 4A. You're in 7A, so you're not seeing those teams come state tournament time. Now, again, like I said, Westover win and Monroe win, those are good wins. Um, I'm looking at what else they did. They lost 59-51 in the first game of the season to Bainbridge a 4A school who was 4 and 3 and I think Bainbridge is pretty good I think I think they have a chance to be pretty good but again pretty good in class 4A not in class 7A so it's different now Tip County they might have been missing some football players it's really hard to tell at these South Georgia schools early on in the season but still not a good not a great loss on the resume um they lost 62 to 59 to Lake Mineola from Florida a 6 and 8 school that I know it doesn't matter because they did just beat Monroe, um, but that's a school that beat Mon- or lost to Monroe by about 30 points. Um, and then you're looking at, okay, so they played um, one of the other bigger schools they played was a 5A Coffee. Coffee, usually a really good, tough team. Uh, Coach Purnell does a really good job down there, always tough, you know, gritty. It's South Georgia. It's going to be a lot of football players, a lot of good athletes, a lot of, you know, defensive-minded uh, gameplay but they won 54 to 53 but you know you're looking at coffee county so that's a that's a five and five school in class 5a so again a nice win as far as just like as a good team like tiff county is a good team i don't think they're a top 10 good team uh, because that's just not a t- top 10 good team result right there i don't think uh, and then looking at this i mean who else in class a7 class 7a um, that's in the top 10 has played two a public schools they beat lanier county 82 to 73 and they beat turner county 63 55 two teams in class a public two teams that i don't think are going to win a state title in class a public we're talking about tip county i don't know 2000 3000 kids you're playing schools with like 400 kids ramin as a 7a school those wins are not impressive i'm sorry at that point it's just bizarre you know unless you're playing drew charter who i saw beat roswell who's a 7a school by about 40 points that's like the one and only and maybe like hancock central those are two good teams turner county and lanier county and 1a public not in class 7a that's a whole different measuring stick and for those 1a public schools they don't have to be good against 7a schools because they don't play them when they're trying to win a state title but you know i i i understand geographically that i guess they gotta play these schools but again this blanket statement that really does cover a lot of these south georgia schools when you're a 7a school 
in South Georgia, you're playing a bunch of 2A and 3A and 1A public schools compared to all these other teams that are in the top 10 in Class 7A when they're challenging themselves playing other top 10 schools, but they're playing 6A, 5A. And, of course, a vast majority of those games are going to be 7A schools. So that's why Tiff County is not in the top 10. They haven't even played one other school in 7A, 11 games into the season. Like I said, they might end up winning 25 games and they couldn't make it to the state championship this year because, you know, it's a crazy year and everything. But right now, January 6, 2000. 21. No, Tiff County, you're not in the top 10. You do not deserve to be in the top 10 yet. You might be in, uh, you know, two or three weeks from now, but right now you haven't even seen a 7A school yet. So hell no. And with that, we'll take it down to class 6A. Same question as before, Carl, who is knocking on the door? The best team not in the top 10. So I'm looking at North Atlanta. They're 12 and two right now, but I had to slow play North Atlanta because you know, uh, I got to use my knowledge of the state of Georgia and history. Now things can change, but they were 10 and three last year. And I think I slid them in to the top 10. And after a 10 and three start, they finished the year 14 and 11. So it did not end well. And that ended up being a, you know, a tough region. And you had Chattahoochee and Pope and all those teams were all beating each other. Uh, and it got real crazy. Now all the regions are all different now. Now they're in there with you know, looking at these, uh, you know, South Bolton schools and stuff like that. But at 12 and two, North Atlanta is a team that I do have on my radar. They beat in Langston Hughes, who is a little bit down this year, but I think Langston's about six and three and they're starting to play much better. And I believe they play Langston, um, this week, if I'm not mistaken. So that'll be a, a, a big, uh, rematch game. See if they can win again, but they beat Langston Hughes. They beat Tucker. Who's six and four but has a couple nice wins. So that's a good win for North Atlanta. And then they beat Mount Vernon in class A private who has a lot of talent uh, between two players. So three nice wins right there. Uh, You're led by a six foot eight senior Montavious Myricks averaging over 12 points, nine rebounds and two blocks a game. And then you got a six, three senior and Charlie Hamilton over 12 points per game as well. So I'm looking at North Atlanta as a team that, like I said, I'm slow playing them. I'm slow playing them for good reason, just because they got off to a hot start last year, and then they kind of burned me, uh, finishing what? That's uh, four and eight to finish the year last year after a ten and three start. And another school I'm looking at again down south, Valdosta. Uh, you're looking at a Valdosta team. I could tr- probably try and pull up their schedule real quick right here to see if they have the the same woes as Tiff County. I mean, again. You're down south. You you play more small schools and teams up north have to, and that that always hurts your resume as far as you know trying to get into the top ten. But at least they have played other you know schools that are in their in their uh, classification, playing schools like Glen Academy and teams like that. So they they've at least seen teams in their own classification, which always helps uh, your cause as far as um, getting into the top ten. But Valdosta, of course, Daryl Lockhart, our guy, great coach. Upson Lee won two state titles back-to-back. Just a a really good coach, and he's got a lot of athletes, a lot of seniors, a lot of juniors. That's a very experienced team, really good season last year, and they're they're right back to where they want to be at 11-2 right now. They have a 68-66 win over Heritage Conyers. was a really good, strong foundation win for them to say, hey, yes, 
we do belong in the discussion at the very least. Uh, they beat Bainbridge 55-52 um, and Doherty 54-45. So got a couple wins against some decent programs here. Um, and then, uh, you know, you're led by Dorian Douglas, 15-8. and eight. Um, A senior, 15 points in well, 15.8 points per game. Uh, so he's been a, a very good Dorian Douglas, Dorian Douglas, uh, leading the way for them. Uh, so that's that's a player that has uh, has been tough. And then Winder Barrow at eight and four. I think they've lost two straight games, but the, the amount of talent they have in the front court: Isaiah Nelson Odoa, six and ten; Wyatt Frick, six and nine; or <laughs> Isaiah Nelson Odoa, six foot 10 Wyatt Fricks six foot nine sorry got a lot going on over here and then Tim Loud a six foot one junior guard has really come on strong early on in the season as a score uh so he's he's been good balancing that attack making it an inside out threat so you know if those if those three guys get hot at the right time and they've had some good results early on in the season but like I said they've lost two straight games um I think Winder Barrow is a team that could be quite dangerous and especially you're, you're looking at uh, a really tough region that they're in right now in 6A, region 8. So you got Shiloh's ranked in the top 10, Lanier's ranked in the top 10, Buford. I believe we just slid them back into the top 10 at number 10. So you got three teams right there, potentially four teams with Winder Bear that could all deserve to be in the top 10 at one point in the season. And then two other teams. Uh, I'm looking at region two always has some good teams. Statesboro eight and two Brunswick eight and one uh, tough, tough teams, but they're all chasing Richmond Hill uh, who we saw at the CTC classic currently ranked number five. We are ready to take it down to class five, a perhaps a bit more movement in the bottom half of the poll than we have seen in the last two classifications. We'll call it the last five, last handful have shuffled around a bit since a month ago, but same question again, Kyle, Class 5A. Class 5A, it uh, looks like Cass is getting right 9-4. and four. They've won four straight games. They just beat Blessed Trinity, who just got back into the top 10 at number 9. They just beat Blessed Trinity 83-78 in double overtime. Huge win for them. And you know why they won that game? C.J. Pipkin is back. He did not play against Sequoia, a game they lost. But C.J. Pipkin, when this team is healthy and he's there running the guard spot, he makes a lot of players better. Um, he had over 20 points. Braxton Benham over 20 points. Zalen Chaney had over 20 points. When you get three guys scoring over 20 points in a single game, you're probably going to win. And then Andrew Glaze, coach's son, he's played his role so well as a three-point shooter, just sits in that corner and floats around the perimeter, knocks down open shots at a very high clip. So Cass, that's the one team I'm really looking at in Class 5A. 9-4, and four, starting to really get their legs under them. That's a team that I think has their best basketball ahead of them. On to 4A. Before we get to those who just missed the cut, what is going on with these weird-looking numbers? The win-loss totals at the end of Class 4A. A bunch of teams in the top of the poll have only played four or five games, a handful of games. That We don't really see that happening anywhere else in the poll, Kyle. Yeah, it makes my uh, life much harder. You got DeKalb County, had to save a million lives with them postponing the start of basketball season, so that really screwed a lot of teams over. And then... Uh, Gosh, I think what Stevenson's like three and one, but I, I want to say I think Stevenson just got put into quarantine uh, right after getting a, a couple nice wins. So start and stop for that that program as well. So you know that that screws them up 
uh, a lot. And you're looking at Spencer and Baldwin. You know, Spencer along with uh, – well, it looks just like Spencer right now. I know we're going to touch on another school soon, but that Columbus region, like pretty much all those teams – they were on pause for a couple weeks, so they haven't played in the longest time. So they were on freeze. So that really hurts them. So it's just been, um, you know, it's been really crazy and very difficult to rank. And, you know, looking at some of these teams outside of the top 10, like I'm not even going to mention Fayette County, who's six and nine. Uh, they have all the talent in the world. They just played a really, really tough schedule and, you know, loss after loss. They, they got back on the right track. I mean, they blew out Hampton, who isn't any good, and they should probably beat Mount Zion again. But, you know, then they play Sandy Creek, a, a team, uh, you know, a game it looks like on paper they might lose. So even at the end of this week, they might, you know, go two and one, but still be sitting at seven and ten. So that's a team that's just going to have to get into region play and start beating everybody that they're supposed to beat, which I think they have a, a very good chance of doing so. Uh, but, you know, spotting this team, you know, nine losses right now before even diving deep into region play, you're looking at a, a team that might finish, you know, close to 500, a couple games over maybe. Uh, but it's going to take maybe another week or so, unless they do beat Sandy Creek and they do beat Mount Zion as well to get back into the top 10. But, you know what Caleb Banks this Fayette County team is very good hands down they're the best team outside of the top 10 right now but again that's just because they played such a hard schedule and they lost so many games but Fayette County definitely a, a team with top five talent uh, and another team we just mentioned um due to the freeze and everything Hardaway Hardaway sitting at three and two they had to you know sit out for two to three weeks with all this Columbus stuff shutting everything down so we got to see what they end up doing but um, at three and two, I think that's a team that has some talent, but they have a lot of games to make up to get back into the top 10. And then one last team, New Hampstead sitting at five and two over there in the Savannah area, just beat Jenkins 76, 71. So they beat Jenkins, who was number nine in the poll this week. You're looking at New Hampstead, uh, behind Deandre smart, possibly in the discussion to get into the top 10. In Class 3A, again, repeating the theme, a couple of new additions to the 8 through 10 spots. Cherokee Bluff, Thompson, and Carver Atlanta take up 8 through 10, respectively. We can call them at least somewhat new additions. They weren't there in Week 3, Kyle. Yes. Um, so we're looking at Class 3A, and you know it's kind of kind of tough to find teams that are worthy to get in the, the bottom of the pole. You know, we got a couple good teams that have just not great records right now. Like Monroe area dropped out at six and six. I think they're a pretty good team. Southeast Bullock was only three and three when they got kicked out as well. And I think they could be a pretty solid team. But shoot, we're how many months into the season? We got teams that have only played four games and six games. And like, you know, you got Green Force and Abe Private has played only four games, but you got a team like uh, Providence Christian has played 13, 14 games. So it's just like it's 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 ridiculous to try and rank teams that have played almost twice, three times as many games as some of these other schools have played. Um, but back to the task at hand in 3A, GAC just dropped out. I guess I got them back on the radar as one of the uh, best teams outside of the top 10, six and five. They looked very, very bad against Elbert County. They could not put the ball in the basket. Now, individual talent wise, they have a lot of individual talent. I don't know why they've been so up and down this year and just not impressive at all at the McDonald's invitational or McDonald's shootout over there at Hart County. But they did, 
you know, wipe away, you know, 2020 and they, they start 2021 on a clean slate, 61-53 over number four uh, Salem. So that's a great win. That should be a really big momentum builder for them. Lamar Randolph and Josh Fulton, very good dynamic duo right there. And then you got two six nine guys inside. Uh, they've got a lot of pieces, GAC. They just got to make sure they gel at the right time. And then Dawson County, they've won three straight games, eight and five. Joe Kim Celeste, Jake Kraft, and Tyler Lane, all three of those guys, three transfers. They're starting to uh, kind of piece it together. Dawson County is a team that I think has a chance to, you know, get some momentum, start playing some better basketball moving forward. And now that they're over 500. Um, I think they have a chance to, to really do well and raise their stock and potentially knock on the door of a, a top 10 ranking in Class 3A. In Class 2A, we're seemingly not seeing the scope of the issues. A lot of games haven't been played, at least in the top, most of the teams in the top 10 here, but who is just knocking on the door? 2A, um, you know, I'm only going to talk about just quickly, briefly, this one team that's out of the top 10. Uh, Columbia, they're five and four. They have way, way too much talent to not get everything turned around. I, I, I believe they will. They played a a pretty good schedule. I mean, they lost by one to Gainesville, who just made it into the top ten seven a this week. They gave up like seventeen threes to Cherokees in the top ten in seven a. So, you know, two seven a losses right there, and they lost to Cherokee by what thirty twenty nine points. Uh, and then they lost to Statesboro, who was undefeated at the time in Class 6A by 12 points. But the one loss, that's just a, it's it's not a good loss. You can't lose to them. Sequoia lost 65-60. I believe that game went into overtime. Um, Sequoia is a phenomenal three-point shooting team, but you, you have to know that going in in Columbia. Sometimes you 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 know Sequoia is going to be a tough matchup for a lot of a lot of teams just because how well they move the ball and how well they shoot the ball, but. You know, still, um, at the end of the day, you're looking at a Sequoia team that they are what their record says they are. They're seven and seven, and they're zero and three in region play. They're five hundred when they're shooting the ball well. They're very tough to beat when they're you know when teams have a good defensive game plan and they limit those outside shots. They're very beatable, and uh, that's just a bad loss for Columbia, considering how how much talent Columbia has, and if they want to be a a team that could potentially compete. With Pace Academy in Class 2A, which you know it doesn't look like anyone's gonna really compete with Pace Academy this year, um, you can't be losing games like that. Uh, so Columbia, that's the team uh, I'm looking at. Definitely the most talented team outside of the top ten. But Kawasaki Ricks, Julius Coleman, DeQuavis Harrison, Julius Lyman inside, Mason Lockhart inside. You got all the pieces you need to be a really really good team, and um, they they got to get it figured out. Hopefully, it's not another one of those. You know, Columbia brings in a bunch of good players and then they're just they're good, but they never get to the level that they really probably should reach. So they got some work to do. Um, this is a team that, you know, on paper, they should at least make the elite eight. I would think you got to see how all the brackets play out and everything like that. But talent wise, there's just, you know, outside of that region, uh, there's not a lot of schools that can match up with them talent wise on paper. So um Hopefully this isn't another flop year for Columbia because they've loaded the deck. They have a lot of really good players. They just got to get things figured out, and I think they still have plenty of time to do so. In Class A Private, um, the top four have shuffled around just a tad. 
the bottom five through ten. A few new additions, but otherwise relatively constant. We do have a new number one since week three in Green Forest. But um, who is just outside the pole here? Mount Vernon Presbyterian, um, seven and six. They have no bad losses. Their worst loss is a thirty-point loss to J.D. Davison from Calhoun in Alabama. But um, you know, apparently they were missing a bunch of players. Uh, so, you know, kind of, I guess you could flush it down the drain, but seven and six, they played a pretty tough schedule. Um, they have a nice 45, 43 win over Marist, uh, and they beat Monday's mill. Who's pretty solid as well. 58, 52. So those are two nice wins for them. Uh, you're led by two sophomores. Chase Clemens has taken a backseat in scoring this year. He's averaging, you know, 14, over 14 points per game. He's got a bunch of high major offers, a little guard. And then uh, six foot eight Keith Williams who transferred in he's averaging close to 15 points and 13 rebounds per game um, he's a big boy very talented so you got a really nice inside out duo right there you got Sincere Harris uh, on the perimeter as well so there's there's a lot of nice pieces over there um, from uh, coach Maven over there at Mount Vernon so um, just keeping it short and sweet I, I like them in class a private and then also FPD six and one I know they just lost a nail biter to Elka um, but first Presbyterian day, uh, another good program over there in Macon. Jordan Jones averaged 25 points per game. He's way down this year to you know 15 points per game. But that's because Julius King, uh, who we had at the uh, CTC showcase last year, I liked his game a lot. Nice little floor game. Transferred over from Warner Robins, and he's averaging over 19 points per game. Um, and leading the team in scoring. So the Vikings have a very potent backcourt, not to mention a couple other guys that returned from last year's team that are young. But adding in Julius King uh, really solidifies his backcourt of FPD. Sitting there at 6-1, and one, good team, playing in a region that's not spectacular. So they have a really good chance of racking up the wins, I feel like, um, over there in Region 1. So I think FPD is in good shape to surpass that 20-win mark at some point in this year. So... Mount Vernon, Presbyterian, and First Presbyterian Day. It's all Presbyterians right now. I like those two schools in Class A private as two of the better teams outside of the top ten. And finally, the eighth classification, Class A public, also one where a bit of a disparity but can be a crapshoot as you get to the bottom of the pole. You have Drew Charter who's played nine or ten at number one, Dublin who's played a dozen plus um, there at number three. Then you have teams like Hancock Central and Manchester and Calhoun County who are in the low single digits here, Kyle. Yeah, and it just makes it ridiculously tough. I mean, Hancock Central, the defending state champs, are scheduled to play their first game of the year on uh, January 8th coming up this week. So, I mean, you got teams that have played, like, what, nine games and teams that have played zero games. It's just it's pretty ridiculous, but it is what it is. But as far as teams I'm looking at outside the top ten, Social Circle has been in the top ten at one point in this uh, this season. They're five and four. Three of their four losses have come against ranked teams. I still think that's a really good team between KJ Reed and Tyrell Branch in the backcourt, and you know AJ Vincent's inside about six five, big body can do some things, and they got a couple other pieces sprinkled in as well. So, Social Circle, I think that's a very tough team that could potentially get back into the top ten once they get their footing. And then another team, um, you know, they're they're playing some good opponents. I feel like I think this is a, a pretty good team. They've really been a surprise this year behind three freshmen that are leading the team in scoring portal over there in that savannah ish area eight and four 
Like I said, top three players, all freshmen, Elijah Coleman averaging 19 and a half points per game. Joseph Thomas uh, averaging 15 points per game. And Amir Jackson is putting up 13 points and 10 rebounds per game. Then don't forget they have a who almost was one of the top five shot blockers in the state of Georgia, maybe second best shot blocker statistically speaking last year. Uh, they got a senior six foot seven Fred Spells. Now his game is not really, you know, it's hasn't blossomed like I, I thought it could, even defensively. I mean, his, his block shot numbers are, are way down, but Fred Spells, not much of a threat offensively, but he is defensively averaging four points, um, five rebounds and close to four blocks per game. And, you know, last year he averaged almost eight blocks per game and seven points and 10 rebounds. So I would like to see his numbers bump back up to what he was doing last year. But, you know, they're a better team this year and you got three freshman pieces that have come in and kind of taken the load offensively. So it's understandable that he's not really scoring as much. I would like to see the rebounds and block shots closer to what they were last year. Um, but Fred spells, uh, gives that a, a nice core four of three good scores and then one elite shot blocker inside. So portal is a team that I think has a chance to, uh, you know, maybe make some noise. I mean, right now in region three, they're sitting at four and oh in region three. Now region three is not, not great to be honest. I mean, Claxton's four and oh, and they're five and oh overall and ECI is four and one in region play, but four and three in total. And then everyone else is well below 500, but you know, I don't know if Portal's going to be necessarily a, um, a, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. Top ten team, but they do have a really good, uh, a really good record right now. They're young, so I would assume they get better and better as time goes on. Um, they played Statesboro pretty tough, 73 to 58, all things considered, playing a, at the time an undefeated 6A school. And then they did lose to Columbia, 74 to 50. But Portal is a team that I am looking at. And, you know, closely watching to see if they can string together a five or six game winning streak down in that region uh, over there near the coast to see if they could be a team that could potentially crack into the top 10. And Kyle, that will do it. We've covered all the boys um, best teams just outside of the top 10. As always, this was week is week seven of rankings. Week eight will be coming out on Sunday and Monday, respectively. We're going to be getting into region play, so hopefully we'll be getting more information about some of these teams that we have a paucity of information on right now. All the write-ups can be found on sandyspiel.com. You can find us on Twitter at KyleSandy355 and at SandySpiel. We appreciate you listening, and until next time, on behalf of Kyle, this is Ramin signing off.